Welcome to Beijing's Daily News. Today is the 6th of September 2022. We'll be covering issues arising from high ETH utilization in Avi, insights from institutional investors, finances move to consolidate liquidity for stablecoins, and pseudoswaps NFT liquidity innovations. Let's get to it. On September the 5th, Hobby Research released a report titled "Gold Mines in the Future: Insights from Interviews with 20 Institutional Investors." The following are the main points of the article. In the interview, we learned that most institutional investors prefer to research more and act less. They pay more attention to infrastructure projects with emphasis on zk, new layer one chains, and middleware. In terms of applications, DeFi, GameFi, and Social ranked in the top three. Among them, DeFi is the most favored direction for institutions, while GameFi and SocialFi remains controversial. Their key areas of focus are as follows: zk is one of the potential core drivers for the next cycle, which has long-term value. Institutions are more strategically focused on new layer one chains rather than having seen certainty in return. They have expressed interest in two innovations that have emerged in the recent crop of new layer one chains. The hashtag move programming language and parallel processing technology, and believe that their value may extend beyond a particular layer one chain itself. Middleware is second only to zk and new layer one chains in terms of the degree of attention. The most sought after are decentralized identity, data protocols, and wallets. Social is controversial. Everyone agrees that social is a necessary need with high potential. However, many organizations believe that existing socialfy projects are still in the early stages of development, with unclear models and unsustainable paradigms. The controversy surrounding GameFi is prevalent. On the one hand, many institutions recognize that games can best attract incremental users. On the other hand, some institutions believe that current GameFi models are unsustainable. On September the sixth. KOL wishful cynic tweeted his views on the fake news about USDC. He mainly shared the following points: one, removing most stablecoin pair is a good thing. Liquidity doesn't have to be split between multiple stablecoins, making market makers' jobs easier and markets overall more liquid. Two, this is positive for USDC. Before this change, you would need to convert it to BUSD and USDT. Then use it to trade margin perps. Now you can skip the conversion step both ways, at least for BUSD margin products. It's a better customer journey while keeping USDC useful. Three, the one stablecoin that is clearly not part of this is USDT. Perception-wise, it won't help customers who keep wondering what makes Tether so special that they need to bother with conversion. And in the long run, liquidity in non-USDT pairs will increase. Ultimately, until Tether improves their operational efficiency and redeem and minting costs, it will continue to lose ground. The former is very likely out of Tether's control. Silvergate and Signature are unlikely to serve Tether because U.S. regulators hate it, and these two banks are where 24/7 USD fiat flows the most. As for the latter, any market maker can mint and redeem BUSD versus USDC within seconds. We don't need Binance for this. Now that little market making trick is available for everyone, FTX has been doing the same for ages, being ahead of the curve with that particular customer journey. To sum it up, it's not USDC delisting; 
It's another big step towards Tether losing ground to US native stablecoins. On September 4th, Reza Jaffrey published an article titled Forget About DeFi Summer, NFT Autumn is Arriving on Decrypt. The following are the views in the article. Pseudoswap launched in July. Its name is Riff on Uniswap for reasons that will soon become apparent. And it's the first honest-to-God working decentralized NFT exchange with an on-chain automated market maker. In other words, Pseudoswap is a protocol and as such is meant to work in conjunction with other protocols. The liquidity it provides via its automatic market making can be accessed by other protocols, decentralized apps, and even marketplaces. By contrast, a massive NFT marketplace such as OpenSea is a closed ecosystem with a closed order book. Though the customers provide liquidity, the platform gets to take transaction fees. Removing the middleman, as always, is a big idea. Though others have tried to solve the NFT liquidity problem, Pseudo, created by the pseudonymous team of StateLayer, OXMonds, OXHamachi, and Board Genius, was the first to actually solve it. Platforms like OpenSea and LooksRare are marketplaces, but Pseudoswap operates more like an exchange. Pseudoswap is to NFT what Uniswap is for altcoins. The way I see it, Pseudoswap is doing for the NFT space what Uniswap did for DeFi. Part of the reason why Uniswap was a big deal when it launched was because it took the fees usually kept by centralized exchanges and gave these fees to the liquidity providers which removed the need for traditional market makers. In fact, I think this could be the spark that finally brings the excitement of 2020's DeFi summer to the NFT world. Call it NFT Autumn. One of the moments that turbocharged DeFi was when automatic market makers created liquidity for trading altcoins. NFT Autumn could follow the same trajectory, but it's altcoins with pictures and automatic market makers. Liquidity is a crucial financial building block, a necessary element of any successful token, whether it's fungible or not. It's also a building block that was missing from the NFT ecosystem until Pseudo's AMM launched. And a small portion of Pseudoswap's Pseudo supply will be distributed to people who have provided liquidity for the platform in the past a la Uniswap, a move that might draw more liquidity to Pseudoswap and its AMM because it will lure speculators. On September the 6th, DeFi analysts DeFi discuss AV governance vote 97 on Twitter. This vote is to decide whether AV pauses Ethereum borrowing pre-merge. Primo's Cordezas proposed changes. Number one, a freeze on Ethereum borrowing pre-merge or two, Ethereum variable borrow rate at max utilization from 103% to 1000%. At the root of the problem is Ethereum's utilization rate from the borrowing demand, causing the interest rate to sharply increase, which is currently at 10% APR to borrow. Primos notes several risks stemming from this uptick in Ethereum borrowing rates. One of them being high utilization makes liquidity harder and impossible. Secondly, STETH and ETH pairs' recursive positions becomes unprofitable, therefore could cause liquidity cascade from forced STETH on wind. Thirdly, merge and AV uncertainties equals Ethereum suppliers withdrawing Ethereum. The pain of high WETH utilization is already starting to be felt across some protocols that utilize levered STETH yield farming such as InstaDAP. All vaults are currently earning negative EV APR, 
currently creating an annualized yearly loss of 2.3 million over 113 million notionally. This can get worse. Moreover, STETH curve liquidity pools might temporarily pull their STETH and Ethereum pairs liquidity to receive forked tokens. If Ethereum utilization is extremely high, these assets could potentially not be liquidated in the worst case scenarios since the majority of Ethereum could be borrowed out. This could result in bad debt for the AV protocol. Pausing Ethereum borrowing likely limits this possibility by preventing further borrowing. However, it's likely people withdraw ETH from AV to receive the fork, causing utilization to converge on 100% regardless. To continue hearing more, please subscribe to bishingventures.substack.com for daily newsletter and follow Twitter account Bishing Ventures to hear the rest. This is Celine from Bishing Ventures. Thank you for listening and we will see you tomorrow.